Nicola, we're coming into Strand Street. Uh, we're going to ask a very pertinent question, aren't we? We are indeed. We are asking the people of the Isle of Man, what is love? I mean, we could get some interesting answers here. Are you prepared? <laughs> very prepared. <laughs> love mean to you? It's complicated. <laughs> you sound like a Facebook status. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I don't know. That's, to be honest, I don't know. Really. Put me on the Is spot there. Is it too personal question? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> what, how could somebody show you that they love you? What would kind of do it for you? Uh, compassion. If you were to go on a date with someone, what would be a romantic? Uh, I don't know, we stay in a hotel. Yeah. Rose petals on the bed. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Sexy lingerie. <laughs> Do you have to really work at it then? Yeah, you've got to work at it. A relationship you've got to work at. No relationship, I suppose. Every relationship you're going to argue, aren't you? You're going to have ups and downs. And I'm a heartbreaker though. He's yeah. a wrong Naughty. <laughs> what, what is it? You're asking us. What yeah. is love? What is love? We've been married 50 years. <laughs> What's the secret? What's the secret, Pete? No idea. Determination. <laughs> and then it will work. <laughs> Don't give in too easily. <laughs> what is one of the loveliest things he's done for you? Um, oh, gosh. Ah, yes, years ago. Yes. Venice. Romantic time. That was for an anniversary. And Paris, that was for another anniversary. And he, especially the one in Paris, he booked it up secretly and gave me a, a DVD to play to show me where we were going. Oh. So yes, you've just brought that to my mind, see? Will you be celebrating Valentine's this year? No, we never do. Probably not. No. <laughs> no, no, not even a nice quiet dinner at home? Oh, well, maybe, maybe. What, then, as a couple who have been married for 50 years, what advice would you give to someone just starting out? The problem is it is a different generation of people and they expect a lot more straight away. I don't think they're prepared to work it as much, to be honest. They've got more options. That is the thing. You've got more options. You don't necessarily have to stick it out and see if it works. They just give in. Yeah. Do you think you'd enjoy being sort of a young person in this time and having to navigate all that? No, definitely not. I think we had the best generation. For everything. You, you know she just said it's hard work, don't you? <laughs> he knows that. I am hard work. <laughs> what is love? I'm trying to find that at the minute, to be fair, so I couldn't tell you. You've not found love just yet? No. Are you yet. looking hard? Not hard enough, no, Aww. obviously. We were just talking to someone of a, an older generation. They were saying it's very different now and it, it's either great because you've got loads of options mm. or it makes it even harder to find someone. What do you think? I think the way the times are in our day in this generation, of course it's hard. It's not as easy as it was 20, 30 years ago, but mm. it's just the life journey, isn't it? So, Who would be your ideal other half? That might be them on the phone now. No, it's <laughs> not, but um, I haven't got a clue. Love comes at you and you don't even know when it's coming. Wise words. You're quite poetic and romantic. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a love-filled week. I will too. You soon. Have Cheers, a good time.
of... It's quite a difficult question, actually, isn't it? It's a very difficult question, yes. Thank you for asking. <laughs> um, I don't really know what love is. Love is just a feeling, an emotion, a warmth. Um, you can love your family. You can love a certain person. You can love an activity. You can love your cat. <laughs> what do you make of the whole Valentine's Day thing? I think it's nice. Even if, you, if you're not particularly in love with somebody, it's nice just to show that you care, you know, your friends the people that you work with. It's just an excuse because as British people, I think we don't often show our emotions. Um, and I think it is a good excuse just to, to let somebody know that you care, that you're there for them. Emily raises an interesting point there. Not about her cats. We Brits have something of a reputation of being stuffy, emotionless, considerably less frisky than our French or Italian counterparts at least. But perhaps this isn't an entirely fair summation of our relations. <gasps> Later on, there was an awful catastrophe in the cloakroom. My knicker elastic gave way entirely, but Mr P Johnson didn't seem to mind. I bet he didn't. Don't worry, this isn't someone recounting tales from a questionable night out at 1886, but rather a young lady recounting tales from the Palais de Dance in 1932, in a diary which is held in the archives at the Manx Museum. This handwritten anonymous book is fascinating, funny, blunt and beautiful. And curator Katie King is one of its biggest admirers. Now we've come to the Manx Museum and uh, I always enjoy talking to Katie King because she is full of fabulous stories about so many different elements of life here on the Isle of Man and further beyond as well. And I think it, it's, it's probably true to say that love, no matter what generation, no matter what time period, can mean so many different things to different people. And you've brought out a few examples that are from the collections here, Katie. What are we looking at? Well, today we've been looking in the archive. So um, you were saying, you know, what might we have to do with love? And we were thinking about love letters and, and things like that. And we do have some love letters, but what immediately came to mind was a holiday diary that I know of that we've got here in the library. Um, and whereas we do have a few holiday diaries in the collection, they're mostly from written by what we describe as a gentleman tourist, so sort of late 1800s, and they, they've written a diary to be published. So it's you know, all the things they got up to, but it's written in a very particular way. It's not very personal. Mm. But um, a number of years ago, actual holiday diary, the sort of thing you'd imagine in a little a little binder with, with um, line paper, was found under the floorboards of a hotel that was being demolished. It was brought here. And oh my goodness, it's amazing. It's my, it's definitely my favourite thing we've got in the, in the archives, certainly. It was written by a young girl who turned 18 um, in 1932. We know that because she says that she's just turned 18. And it is a, her first unchaperoned holiday on the Isle of Man. And my goodness, does she have a good time. So <laughs> we don't know who she is. It's anonymous because you, you don't tend to sign your own diary. So that's quite frustrating. Mm. But we know she came here on the 16th of July till the 30th of July, 1932, because she says, the best yet about her holiday in Douglas and it's all about um, holiday romances so one of her goals I suppose was to have a nice holiday romance and she certainly has an attachment to somebody staying in the hotel with her and Mr P Johnson but also as I was saying to you when, when we met this morning it's actually full of female love and female friendship as well so She's got a really close friend that obviously lives on the Isle of Man you can sort of surmise through through the diary called Enid and I remember having that passionate connection to best friends when I was her age and you know it's all about your best friend and it's this sort of 
beautiful adventures they go on together and they giggle all night and they stay up all night drinking and they stay in the in the bed together laughing all night and it's so gorgeous and she's so sad to be leaving Enid at the end she's a bit sad to leave Mr P Johnson but she's really sad to be leaving Enid and they've made this plan to meet in Wrexham which is where she's from and the following summer and she's written in capital letters please let it be so and then um, she is so distraught she's taken to the doctors and given some nerve tonic so she has the confidence to get back on the Manxman boat and leave her friend Enid. What, when I read it the first time, I, used, I was amused by the fact that, you know, she fell in love with the, um, the guard at Peel Castle and she's, the, she talks about the tram drivers getting a bit fresh with her. Um, so I, used to, I read it from that perspe- perspective, but I read it again last night and it was, it's the female friendship that comes mm-hmm. through. So that's what I thought I'd um, share with that diary today because it's just about all the different types of love you can have for people, particularly when you're 18 and unchaperoned on your holiday for the first time. And you mentioned this, Mr. P. Johnson. I mean, would that have been quite shocking having, you know, sort of any sort of connection with someone within the same boarding house at that time? I don't think so, no. So the Isle of Man was really quite a, um, an exciting place to go on holiday. It really did attract large groups of young men and large groups of young women who were coming here for a week's week holiday, so a one-week paid holiday. And yes, it was marketed, it marketed itself as a family holiday destination, but really Douglas was the place for young people. I describe it when I talk to school children and school groups, it was a bit like sort of Mallorca is today, it was all, all Magaluf. It was, it's a really happening place. So she talks a lot about, she goes dancing every single night because there was all these different places to go. And the places she liked to go was somewhere called the Palais de Dance in Strand Street. And there's a night there called Carnival Night. So it was really usual, in fact, to meet up with gentlemen that you'd met on your holiday. And you'd always, you'd always be with your girlfriends as well. You'd never be on your own. So you'd have sort of a chaperone system, I suppose, self-chaperone system. So she was always with Enid at this dance. And Mr P Johnson would be there as well. And they talk about the nice dance partners they'd met. So, no, I don't think it was particularly... I think it was almost sort of expected. And, in fact, there's a newspaper article that I shared with you about a young Scottish boy from Glasgow. Again, he's 18, and he's writing in 1954. He's written a letter to the newspaper saying that his holiday was ruined and most of his friends' holidays are ruined on the Isle of Man in Douglas because he cannot find a holiday romance because none of the girls understand his accent. (laughs) So he is campaigning for a board of romance where when you arrive, in fact, he says, um, to the teenagers of Britain's industrial towns, the Isle of Man in Douglas, and Douglas for them means romance, they hope. But give a thought to the frustrations, the complications, the heartbreaking search these teenagers have to find the ideal holiday partner. For if they are here for only a week, the holiday's practically over before they realise it. And if the holiday romance isn't all it should have been, Douglas is blamed. So he's saying that there should be a shop. When you arrive on the island, there's a shop. You have your photograph taken. You say your likes and dislikes. And then you go later in that day. And if people have matched with you, a bit like Tinder today... (laughs) then you can swap um, boarding house details and you can meet up for a dance in the evening. Um, And, yeah, as you read the article, it's basically, yeah, he he repeatedly goes to the villa, to dances and the palace as well. And when he goes in, um, his name's Willie, when he goes in, he he gets, you know, he eyes up a, a, a lady on the dance floor, she eyes him back, he sidles up to them and says, you know, how are you, would you like a dance? And they never understand him because of his accent, so he's so cross about that, that he wants some sort of, like, Scottish 
only unit so that they can understand each other. <laughs> and, and I like the way he's written to try and get the Isle of Man to listen by saying, oh, people aren't going to come on holiday anymore to the Isle of Man if they don't get romance. And the Isle of Man itself, it did market itself on this Isle of Romance. They'd always have this um, on their marketing material, a woman, beautiful young woman stood on Douglas' head. Um, this idea that the Isle of Man has some of the most beautiful women in the world. Um, and that's why you should come on your holiday here to meet the mythical Manx women who are mm -hmm. more beautiful than anywhere, anywhere else. So, yeah, this idea of holiday romances was, was actively encouraged. But the boarding housekeepers, of course, were very strict. And in fact, mm -hmm. if we go back to that diary, she was staying at the Imperial Hotel and the Palais de Dance carnival night that she went to she didn't get back to the hotel till midnight and there was a very strict midnight curfew and in fact in smaller hotels it would be a 10 p.m curfew so her and Enid had to sneak back in past the boarding house keepers because your punishment if you didn't get into bed in time is that the boarding house keeper would send a telegram to your parents so that was pretty pretty scary and these boarding house keepers were quite formidable so it's interesting to see that she was quite scared and I think she put in brackets it was okay we got away with it so yeah so yeah it's sort of a holiday camp atmosphere really and then we became known as honeymoon island because you met here on your holiday and then you came here for your honeymoon so there's quite a lot of those sorts of stories as well so what do you make of the whole valentine's day thing well, that's quality i love it you do yeah yeah will you be sending cards then yeah a few <laughs> any with question marks on do these nah, two people possibly. still do that yeah every now and again yeah mm. <laughs> what, what is it like sort of now for kind of your generation actually trying to find love i don't think many people do to be honest mm. you know what i mean just a lot of playing about isn't it yeah you know what I mean? it feels like it's not kind of long term anymore no. doesn't it yeah it's all that it's, i don't know it's all social media now though isn't it you know what i mean it catches people up <laughs> do you would you use any of the dating apps no. no don't think so a lot of people use tinder but that's just for a laugh and it's hard on the other man isn't it because you tend to know people yeah that's the problem it's just too close to close-knit isn't it you know what i mean everyone knows everyone so yeah. A lot of people have been with a lot of people. <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? <laughs> you know, he's not speaking about himself there, oh, obviously. No, of course not, no. I'm a close book. <laughs> it must be fascinating to see how this idea and perspective of love has changed throughout the decades. Yeah, very much so. But I think what, what, what rings home to me is, is this diary. It's the same language that we would be using today. You know, the same excitement of going on holiday. I don't know if you remember your first... Well, not on chapter first holiday with your friends, not with your well, not with your parents. Mm -hmm. And how exciting that is, that freedom, that liberation, that silliness, you know, drinking too much. She does talk a lot about drinking too much at some of these dances. Uh, drinking too much, getting up whatever time you want, planning the day, you've got this whole day ahead of you, what are you gonna do, what adventures are you gonna have, who are you gonna meet? Um, and she seems very open, you know, really. She's very warm when she meets new new friends. You know, she's always welcoming them into the group and they meet, you know, they just, they just seem to be very warm and open people. And I think, I think that's the same today. Okay, the, the young people might not be writing it in a diary. They might be tweeting it or Snapchatting it to each other or whatever. But it's the same excitement, isn't it? That freedom of, you know, 16, the world's, the world's open for you and you can have all these adventures and you're, you know, you're free. So there were also quite high expectations then as well from people coming over here. Yeah, so quite a few. Um, I mean, I know from, you know, I've, I've spoken to people for years. My, my One of my passions is history of tourism. A lot of people who met on their holiday on the Isle of Man did, in fact, get married. And up until sort of the 1930s, certainly, 
people from the same towns were coming um, year on year in the same week. So if you say, for example, I don't know, um, Oldham, for example, um, all the factories were closed for the same week. So often you'd be coming on holiday with, with your friends from the factory. And so you would actually be meeting people from Oldham while you're on your week holiday. So that's, and then of course you'd stay in contact and that's how sort of these marriages came apart. And then we became known as Honeymoon Island because you met here on your holiday and then you came here for your honeymoon. So there's quite a lot of those sorts of stories as well. But also some not so positive love stories I found in the newspapers. Um, quite a few young men being sued for breach of promise. So that is something that could you, I don't think you can still do it today, but it was certainly a case um, in law that you could take someone to court if they had promised to marry you and then they didn't follow through with that, you could sue them. So there's a great story, well, quite a sad story, actually, <laughs> from 1924 of a school teacher who had met a reverend whilst on holiday on the Isle of Man, and he had proposed to her. Um, and then he didn't follow through with that. Some six years later, he was still trying to say, oh, I'm not feeling very well. He was writing to her, I'm not feeling very well. I'm not sure we would make such a great match after all. And she sued him for £1,000 because obviously waiting six years, she was getting older and her chances of, of finding a husband were now slim. So she took him to court for £1,000 and she won, but she was only given £100 in damages. Um, and of all people, to renege on their promise. Exactly, <laughs> irreverent. And then there's, a, there's another sort of failed holiday romance where this, this couple met on the Isle of Man and um, he proposed to her. And then they went, then he came to visit her family when they got back in England. And uh, it turns out that not only was he already married, but he was a confidence, confidence trickster and a thief. So when he was staying in their family home, he stole loads of jewellery from the family and yeah, ran off with it. And then it turns out he was married anyway. So yeah, you've got to be on your, on your guard when you're on your holidays on the Isle of Man. We just want to know what is love. What, is it, what, do, what does it mean to you? Absolutely nothing. No, not my thing. An American holiday that's made to make money and nothing more than that. That's the thing, so the whole sort of, you know, buying cards, giving cards, not into that. Nah, not at all. How do you think people should show that they love each other? Should do it on a daily basis. Shouldn't just be about one day. And it's too much pressure on people who've just broken up or feeling down because they can't find somebody or, you know, nah. It's just a commercial money-making exercise as far as I'm concerned. And the people that you do love in your life, do you tell them that you love them? Give them hugs. Yeah. <laughs> hugs are good. Hugs are very good. <laughs> <laughs> and are you married? Yes. yes. How, how, was the, how was the proposal? What happened? Uh, I've never had one. <laughs> no. I just decided it was time. Yeah. So, so I just... She didn't want to lose me, you see, so she thought, I better get him now before somebody else does. <laughs> We laugh together and, you know, we are, we argue like cat and dog. We're just, we don't agree on anything, but we compromise. Yeah. And you have young people coming into the museum and you often show them artefacts like this. And what do they make of things like this diary? 
I don't think I've ever shown them. I talk about this diary because there's a brilliant quotation in it, which I've memorised, I can say to you. So she goes to Palais de Dance. So she said, so the the diary entry starts, I flirted wholesale with Mr P Johnson tonight and caused quite a sensation at the dinner table because she'd bought these new earrings, you see, earlier in the day. She caused quite a sensation at the dinner table. Um, And then she says that she arranged to meet him that night at the Palais. I double dare you. To sit over here. They were dancing, and then she says, right at the end of the entry, it says, oh, later on there was an awful catastrophe in the cloakroom. My knicker elastic gave way entirely, but Mr. P. Johnson didn't seem to mind. So, <laughs> so it's, um, I read that quotation just to try and get the children to like engage, but I say children, I mean teenagers, to get them to engage with the subject. And for those of you that don't know about nickel elastic, it's not, it's not your normal knickers. You used to have your drawers held up with nickel elastic, quite common for it to fall down. There was no impropriety in that. It's just a nickel elastic gateway. Um, so I think they're quite surprised by how exciting the Isle of Man was and how, you know, half a million tourists would come here every summer because it was the best place to come in Britain because there was so much to do. Like every single night there's something to do. Apart from Sunday, a lot of the newspapers are moaning about Sunday. They're like, oh, we're wasting a whole day of our holiday because we can't go dancing. So, um, yeah, so apart from Sundays where the Isle of Man was very strict on sort of no entertainment allowed. But... Yeah, I think they're quite surprised by how much there was to do mm-hmm. um, and that people would want to come here. Um, but that's what it was set up for. It was a very slick, really um, successful holiday right. resort. So although there would have been a lot more people at those times and generally more wholesome, not that different than going dancing in somewhere like 1886. <laughs> it's absolutely the same. I don't think it was more wholesome. No, not at all. <laughs> I'd say it's absolutely the same. I will tell you a story that um, I won't give any dates or details because it is in the memory. However, Douglas Head was really well known. So what by you guys there? Mm-hmm. Douglas Head was really well known for being a place for courting couples um, where you'd, you'd say, oh, let's have a walk up Douglas Head. And that basically meant you were going to go for a bit of a smooch up there. Um, and that is why the camera obscura is there it was built to spy on people smooching because it was a well-known smooching spot. Um, however, the po- the um, gamekeeper, there was a gamekeeper who lived on um, Marine Drive to stop poachers because it was private land. And he one day got so, so cross with these smooching couples that he appears to have just lost his mind, got his shotgun and shot a couple. So there was a couple of Scotland again smooching up there and he shot them both. Um, they both survived, fortunately. Um, the, the chap was left for dead. The, um, the lady managed to crawl to the toll booth on Marine Drive where she was covered in blood and they shut the door on her because they didn't want to get involved. So she finally got um, <laughs> taken to, found the police, got taken to um, hospital and all the time she's clutching a button, a button that she's pulled off the gamekeeper's jacket. And that's how they tracked him down because they found, she said this man came and shot them and they found this button um, missing from his jacket. So yeah, so he just said he lost his mind with the number of people breaking in to the house courting. (laughs) So they were all fine. They were all fine, (laughs) but yeah, romance can cause people to lose their minds, can't it really? Um, But yeah, so there's the dangers of love as well. I suppose the one thing I would say is it's sort of a shame, isn't it, that that this was left here? Yeah, so I've wondered this for quite a long time, actually. So 
in the, the extracts I've been reading, it's, it was her holiday on the Isle of Man and the 17 pages of writing. And then a little bit later on in the diary, there's a couple of pages on a cruise she went on, um, but not very much information at all. And then there's another page when she went to Minehead on her holidays and then a few pages later, another page on Anglesey. So either she's growing up and she's not writing as much or they just weren't as exciting as her holiday on the Isle of Man. But my, if I had to guess, I would say that in later life the writer of the diary deliberately brought this diary back to the Isle of Man um, because how else would it have ended up here and I think she might have deliberately left it in the hotel um, so either she did or she sent it to Enid perhaps Enid inherited it and she left it but for it to end up in a hotel on Douglas Prom does seem um, unusual after the time that she was yeah. actually visiting yeah. yeah but as you say isn't that romantic in itself that we're never going to know the answer and I think that's one of the the joys of the archives here they just or and our collections generally they just give you a little piece of a jigsaw just one piece and it's our job and it's your job as people that live on the Isle of Man to try and piece these stories together to try and understand a bit more about who we are and who 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 loved us and you know so it's it, You'll never know the complete answer, and I think we have to accept that. <laughs> but I have to say, when you do find little treasures like this, it brings those people to life, doesn't it? Yeah, and it, you know, it humanises it. You know, you think about people in the past, and they, you know, oh, they were different from us, but they weren't. They were, she's a young girl. She wants to find. She wants to have a snog on her holidays, and she wants to go to Strand Street shopping with her friend every morning and buy some earrings to make herself look pretty in the evening. How is that different? It's the same, isn't it? <laughs> Thanks to Katie King and the team in the Manx Museum Archives and Library for that wonderful and occasionally shocking insight into what the world of dating was like almost 100 years ago. Let's head back to Strand Street now for some more tales of love from the streets. Not like that. I'm so happy that we're in Strand Street when Ruby Biscotel is here as well, playing from Biscuit Bush, uh, but is now star of the busking world. We're in town asking people, what is love? And of course, you write songs sometimes about love. Uh, what does love mean to you? I think just knowing that you'll put that person above anything, then you know that you love them. And when you listen to music, like sort of if it's not your own, can it also sort of bring those feelings in? God, yes. Yes, so much, yeah. So many different musics, especially when it's your favourite one. Yeah, they give you chills, don't they? They give you a yeah. physical response and they can just make you feel amazing. They can make you feel terrible. They can make you feel annoyed <laughs> if you hate the music. Yeah, it can elicit so many different feelings, yeah. And when you're here playing in Strand Street, obviously you've got passers-by, but a lot of people come up to you. Do you, do you feel the love from the crowd? I really do. Um, I think this is such an incredible place to busk. I didn't expect it to happen, but I think because we've got such an amazing community, people come up to me, um, they give me so much love they tell me their stories you know they say they love that song because of certain memory and it's just sharing these connections with people that I would never have spoke to beforehand and they never would have spoke to me but you know they approach me and we share stories and it's really really quite beautiful yeah What does love mean to you? Uh. Aww. Aww. How does that 
make you feel? <laughs> Don't stop. <laughs> be crying in a minute. Oh, is he very romantic? No. no. Not at all. We've had him 57 years or something, haven't we? Yeah. Oh, congratulations. 56 years. And, yeah. Yeah. I've been going out with him since I was 15. <gasps> wow. One and only. In order to keep a marriage going 57 years, do you, do you find it is hard work then? Very, very hard work. You know, uh, nowadays I think they give in too easy. What sort of advice would you give young people starting out today? Don't get married. <laughs> <laughs> you are so naughty. <laughs> can't take him anywhere. Okay. We yeah, have to oh. go now, so we've got to do some shopping now. Have a lovely day. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much. What does it mean to you? I don't know, it's kind of to feel, well, children, <laughs> to give you that nice, I don't know, to give you that kind of like warm, happy feeling, you know. You've got a beautiful tiny baby yeah. here, oh, uh, tell us you. a little bit about her. So she is Luna, she is three months old next week, um, but she was six weeks prem, so she's catching up. Oh. <laughs> so. Is she the first time you've been in love? No, I've got another little girl, Isla. She's four. Yeah. So she definitely was. <laughs> and that's a, it's an entirely different type of love, isn't it, when you have children? Oh, completely, completely. It's very like overwhelming kind of love, you know, different. Yeah. And um, what about Daddy? He's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> He's great. Yeah. How did you guys meet? Tinder. <laughs> what, what was it like, kind of navigating that world when when you were out there? It was very strange because obviously you can't see the person face to face, so you don't really know what they're like until you see them. So I think it can be scary because you don't know who, who they actually are, if it's really them or if their pictures are really them. So it's kind of a, it's a bit of a risk, really. Yeah, but it paid off for you. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and what, Absolutely. What will you be doing on Valentine's? Oh, I think it'll be a dinner for the four of us at the kitchen table <laughs> all together. <laughs> lovely. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, listen, have a lovely Valentine's month and uh, have some love hearts <laughs> to brighten your day. I will. Four-year-old will eat them as soon as she gets out of school, I'm sure. What is, what is love to you? I love these guys. They are my whole world. I would do anything for them. They make me happy. What are their names and ages? So we've got little Richard. And how old are you, Richard? You four. <gasps> and who else we got? We've got Bella. Yeah. And how, how old is Bella? Five. And we've got little Stacy, who sometimes oh. stops screaming, and she's two. And we're a little family. And we just always support each other, don't we? Thank you. What's the most romantic thing he's done for you? He did romantic things every day. Later, you, you like to surprise me with Lego a lot. And so why Lego? We just always loved doing it. It was something we used to spend an evening putting Lego together um, when we first moved in together. Sit around the kitchen table with a glass of wine and building Lego and just relaxing. Did you ever get cards when you were a kid that had the question mark on? No. <laughs> Did you ever send any? Uh, probably to my mum. But yeah, I didn't get any. Obviously, I wasn't loved. Well, we love you. We're going to give you a little pack of love hearts Yay, to prove it. Thank you. <laughs> so we've looked at love through the ages, at every age, and from various perspectives, be it surprise Lego love or the complicated world of online dating. From those who've celebrated 57 years of chalk and cheese marriage to those who would risk life and limb for a sneaky smooch on Douglas' head. It's fair to say that love is a very complicated thing. So whether you're with a loved one or are reflecting on unrequited love, maybe you're missing someone or still hoping for the one to come along. 
Whatever you're doing this Valentine's Day, I hope you found some love listening to this programme. I'm Christy Dehaven, and I wish you all the love in the world. <laughs>